At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network? One on one conversations with some of your favorite artists. Find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. What else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network? Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that's messing with magnets now, it's SIFPA. Welcome to Sif Pop Weekly, streaming live most weekends or available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. Family. I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and we've been together a long time, but he just can't carry me anymore. It's Andrew Ormsby, ladies and gentlemen. Freaking magnets. How do they work? (laughs) Each week we'll chat about movies, TV, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. And please welcome our guest this week. With any luck today, he might just win a pig. It's John Paula. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta take a long walk for that one. Yeah. That is a reference to our second film today. That for is those correct. who had no idea what that meant. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going to talk about uh, The Ice Road for our second film today. Uh, the, that is a reference to that. And then, uh, of course, we've got F9 that we will talk about for our primary F9 review. colon The Fast Saga. It's you know, I wondered about that because I've been seeing it all over the place just as F9. But uh, let, oh, I yeah. usually just go by whatever letterbox title mm-hmm. is, which, and that pulls from the movie database. And that's listed as just F9, but all the promotional Correct. material and all the posters, and I think even the movie proper had F9 colon The Fast Saga as like a subtitle, mm. which I think is just so goofy. Like up, up until now, they've never referred to it as The Fast Saga. That's a completely new term. <laughs> they're just they're just really they're just trying to really you know tweak that cinematic universe idea. You know, like just be like. I don't know, a, you know, a Star Wars story, Han Solo, a Star Wars story, F nine, the Fast Saga. Uh, yeah, they're just they're trying to do. This is not a thing. franchise that has done anything <laughs> like half-heartedly. They go all the way right, in right. all the time. Yeah, I love that. 
Uh, I'm excited to talk about both of these movies, actually. Uh, and then we've got a Best Ever Challenge. Uh, since Liam Neeson is in the ice road, we thought we'd talk about his best movies. Uh, so we're doing Best Ever Liam Neeson movies for the Best Ever Challenge. And, and that course, is a stacked category. Liam Neeson has been in a lot he, of movies. He's been in some films. He's yeah. done He's he's done some work. Uh, and then, of yeah. course, we'll do our... And I'm probably going to mess up the, the whole trumping thing because I know my list for Liam Neeson is... Totally out of whack. So what I have, what you guys have low is what I'm going to have high. I I think we might surprise each other. I I don't know. Yeah, it could be interesting. It could be interesting. Okay. Uh, In fact, we hope it is. That's why we do the podcast. We hope it's interesting. Uh, So yeah, buried treasure, all that kind of fun stuff uh, to come as well. John, it is great to have you back on the show, hanging out with us again. Uh, Love having you in here every month. And uh, you were keen. Keen, keen, keen to review F9. Um, oh, I really was. I was really stoked about so, this. So what is, tell me a little bit about that. So what is that? Why Why are you so excited? Why do I have? Why do I love this franchise like completely unironically? <laughs> yeah, um, tell me. I, I think it's because I just, I can't not smile. I rewatched um, six of the ten movies this week leading up to F9, which was my first trip back to the cinema in 18 months. Yeah, talk about that too. Yeah. Oh, that was great. The, my theater only had like three other people in it. I paid the upcharge, sat in the D box chair, and the whole movie, I'm just like shaking and rumbling, mm-hmm. fully vaccinated, mask is off. I'm just having a blast. I'm laughing out loud, and it is, it, it was, it felt good to be back in like a properly mixed, darkened, soundproof room mm-hmm. rather than just my bedroom on a hot summer night. <laughs> and um, I loved it. I mean, just being back in the cinema for any movie was a lot of fun. Yeah. But I think seeing this family. And these outlandish stunts and set pieces is just, I don't know, there's something very like comfort food about it. Yeah. It's its not gourmet cuisine, but this is like a really good, juicy, fatty burger. Yeah. Well, and if you had it every single night, it would be unpleasant. But like once in a while, you want like a really decadent, like over the top meal. And that's what this series is always. We're kind of dipping our, our toes in a little bit of the review a little, a little early, but yeah. But as far as like going to a theater, it's interesting. I had an opposite experience in that the screen I saw it on wasn't a great screen. There was like a stain on the left side oh, of the gross. screen that you know how sometimes like if there's like just even the slightest thing like when like although bright, it, it I it bugs the the, the yeah yeah it's re- so I was just like uh, I'd just rather be home watching this. Like I've gotten so spoiled watching stuff at home, you know, on my TV, and it's just like. Man, I didn't real now. I've I've seen more, you know. Um, I've been yeah, back yeah. before this, but uh, more and more, I'm just feeling like oh, I kind of don't want it to go back. I want to go to the theater occasionally when you know I want to experience something I lo- with the I crowd. I love the, but- the, the like the the day and date uh, home and cinema releases, and I right. can be like, I don't know if I want to go all the way to the cinema for Quiet Place too, but for the bigger event film, something like this or the new Black Widow coming out, like yeah, I'll probably I'll, I want to see that with a crowd. Right, yeah. There's something people. fun about uh, about seeing some of this stuff with a crowd. So um, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Um, but of course, the, the bigger question in terms of the industry is: is that viable box office model to only make tentpole, big ticket films, the ones that people see? If we're going to find the out, only things, yeah, are the only movies people willing to pay money for are the Marvel movies from now on? Like, I know there's probably enough of them to like mm-hmm. drag cinemas a couple more years, yeah. but. Um, well, yeah, I, I feel like the indie picture in movie theaters might be on its way out. I don't know that like small budget films have a place there. You know my At opinion. At least not like a viable one. Uh, my opinion is 15 years from now, we won't even call them movies. Uh, we'll call any theater experience a Disney. I'm going to go see a Disney today. Uh, so, yeah, that's 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 my opinion. 
Uh, all right, let's get into it. No reason to, to hold off. Let's go ahead and get into our reviews with a review of F9. Been a long time, Tom. So we're up against a master thief, assassin, high performance driver. Who is he? Jacob is Dom's brother. Your whole life, you pushed yourself to be faster than Dom. Smarter than Dom. Stronger than Dom. But could you kill him? Because I'm ready if you are. Dominic Toretto and his crew battle the most skilled assassin and high-performance driver they've ever encountered. His forsaken brother. Uh, yeah. F9 brings us uh, a lot of the crew we know and love. Uh, in fact, more of the crew we know and love probably than ever before. Uh, I shouldn't say ever before, but um, you know, certainly there's a lot going on here. Uh, and then adds uh, to that um, the, the brother character, uh, which, uh, which, you know, John Cena coming in, playing... The heretofore... Unseen, unmentioned Jacob Toretto. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And it's so weird for for a franchise that has really, really prided itself on being about the family. Mm. How have you never mentioned your estranged brother? Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, I'd love to hear it. Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? John, you first. You could probably guess that I, I really liked this one. Okay, high side of liked, it sounds like. Uh, yeah. Andrew, what about you? This is the dumbest damn movie I have ever seen in my entire life. I do not disagree. You've yet to answer the question, my friend. You've yet to answer the question. Okay. Really didn't like it. Really, really. Close to hated it. Close Close to to hated it. Uh, Yeah, you're alone on an island, John. Uh, I hated this movie. I I had a terrible time at this movie. And I usually give myself to these films pretty well. Uh, we'll, yeah. get in, we'll get into some of the reasons why, but John, you obviously enjoyed yourself, had a good time, gave yourself to it, so let's let you start. Uh, tell us why this was a, an exciting movie for you. See, I, I had a feeling this would happen, which is why I, I definitely uh, strongly volunteered to come on this episode, so at least somebody <laughs> would be here to defend the good honor that is the Fast Saga. Um, and I, I don't know, I feel like at this point, you either love this stuff or you don't. Like, you, there's no, there's nothing new in F9. Like, mm-hmm. more or less, this is the same. I, I would insanely, argue that, but go ahead, go ahead. There, there are like definitely insanely unbelievable stunts and sequences. There's an entire chase in in the Thailand jungle involving landmines that's bananas, mm-hmm. banana hammocks, as Andrew was fond of saying. <laughs> and and then there's another sequence with magnets that just throws all physics and realism out the window. It's just magnets do exactly what they need to, and nothing more, uh, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, the the big joke up until now is, yeah, where are they going to go to space next? What if they do? What if they do what go to space do? in this and movie? Is that a problem? I, I will <laughs> say this before we get too much further. Uh, if you're worried about us spoiling this this movie, um, just just go ahead and and you know jump over to the timestamp for the next uh, review because this is one of those that I'm not sure. I I watched the uh, trailer. After uh, watching the movie uh, today, I did as well, and um, it's the whole movie. The trailer's the whole movie. This is not a movie that is concerned about protecting information from you, 
And uh, so, you know, we're going to follow suit a little bit. We'll, I, I don't know if we'll tiptoe around really anything, um, but I did want you to know that in case you hadn't seen it, um, you know, once we get through our each of our general thoughts, um, we'll be a little more bold about talking about some of the specific things because I think we kind of need them to, to you know, kind of talk about this. But yeah, yeah, those three things you mentioned, uh, definitely. Um, what else, John? What else did you uh, like about I'm, it? I'm, I think first and foremost, this movie has always, or this franchise has always worked and succeeded because of the characters and the camaraderie and the relationships. And it feels like a long-running TV show. And at this point, at least I personally, mm-hmm. really love these characters. And I love seeing whatever adventure they're up to. And like having um, Tyrese Gibson crack jokes and Dom Toretto just you know, grunt mm-hmm. really uh, uh, menacingly and, and stomp his feet and break parking garages. Like that's, <laughs> I'm in for that stuff. And all of that like operatic melodrama of all these characters and their interwoven backstories and like these dramatic character reveals and like people coming back from the dead, other people, like just all, there it must be at least a half a dozen, if not more, dramatic character reveals in the first half of this movie. Every other scene is like, done. Oh, who's that? Like and someone else comes out of the door. Oh, mm-hmm. Jord- Jordana Brewster, she's back in this. And yeah. it's like, oh, Lucas Black from Tokyo Drift. He's in this movie too. Like they mm-hmm. just keep pulling other characters from other movies. Yeah. And I think if you're invested in this universe and you remember all these characters, seeing them kind of reunite in this dynamic, like pastiche way is really fun. And I think if you enjoy the characters, you'll enjoy the experience. But you really have to shut your brain off and lock it in a box and throw it down the stairs and forget it because there is no thinking allowed. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, Andrew, do you want to summarize uh, any of your thoughts before we kind of uh, get a little more detail? I'll, I'll, uh, one, I'll throw out a pro. You mentioned Jordana Brewster. Uh, I think she's acting like she's in another movie than she's really in because she's actually trying and like she's conveying emotion. Like whenever like John Cena and Vin Diesel like have a scene together, she's like she feels she's acting like she's conflicted. Like, oh, these are my brothers. You know, I don't want to have to choose. You know, I'm like, that's not the movie you're in right now. You're in the boom, boom, vroom, vroom movie, you know. So, okay, I guess I I could give her a shout out for, you know, trying uh, Andrew, I don't know I if you, you for... knew this, but that was the original title of the series was Boom, 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 Vroom, Vroom. Yeah. Yeah. Justin Lin, you really missed the mark on that one. Yep. Totally. Uh, uh, go ahead. If I can remove myself from how I feel about the franchise okay. and look at it from a spectacle perspective, I can say that... There's stuff going on that if I were able to turn my brain off, I could go, that's fun, you know? And that's that's not me digging at people who like this franchise. That's just my own personal, you know, take on, like... Sure. I'm sure, like, yeah, it's easy to look at some of the stuff, like, the, all the stuff with the magnets. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. Is it cool to look at? Sure. Yeah. Is it, cool though? To look at. Is it, though? I enjoy yeah. it. Uh. No, it's Aaron, I'm with you. It's the dumbest thing ever. They don't follow any rules. But if I want to, if I'm going from like a Michael Bay perspective of, hey, show me an explosion with 5,000% more sparks that are required, then yeah. Uh, some of explosions are fun to look at. You know what's cool? What's cool is pulling a safe out of a building and dragging it down the street. 
you know what, what's cool is skydiving a car off of a bridge you know what i mean like so you liked you liked the old i i like this previous. franchise i think this franchise hit its stride with uh four and five especially five and has just been having fun six is fun seven is fun eight is fun i think seven is you know you know maybe my second favorite we'll talk a little bit more of our our uh, rankings in our post show for our uh, members for our sif pop members but I've really enjoyed the turn this took from um, serious street car racing movie to superhero movie. I like that. I think that's really that's, fun. That's actually where you and I differ. Right. No, and I, we've always had that yeah. that disagreement. I I don't think this movie is that. I I I feel See, like that's, this- a, that's an interesting take because I feel like for those who really loved Fast Five, Six, and Seven, which for me is sort of the the high water mark of, of I agree. The ten pictures. I agree. Um, I feel like nine is more of the same, not as strong as those three, but I feel like it's just like they went maybe a little too far with some of the unbelievable physics and rope swinging and all these uh, uh, moments. But they're sort of in the same style and in the same, uh, I don't know, physics, (laughs) which is like a very loose interpretation of reality. You can you can give a middle finger to physics and I can have a good time like that's okay. like I can I can suspend my disbelief and just have fun and go, oh, that's cool. I didn't have that experience in this one. Like I, like the magnet stuff, the space stuff, the stuff you mentioned, I, it wasn't the physics that bothered me. It was just, it wasn't exciting. Like it was just, uh, okay, magnets drew cars together and, um, you know, I, I don't know. Else. And nothing else. Yeah. I just, I, to me, it felt like a group of writers sitting in a room going, you know what would be cool to do, and then none of them actually finish the sentence with something that's actually cool. Like it just. You see, Aaron, <laughs> that's where I'm going to disagree with you because I think that that's where the franchise. This movie here feels exactly the same as like the last three movies. I to totally me. disagree. It but doesn't feel any. It doesn't. It's, it, this is. I, I, I just want to point out that we're bad. We have a we have a very unique three way disagreement. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. Andrew and I agree on the ethos of the film. Correct, but we we personally differ on whether or not we enjoy it like Correct. We, andrew and i yeah. both agree Correct. this movie is very similar and i've always loved them and andrew's always hated them but aaron yeah. you're in a unique position where you actually like the previous couple movies but now don't like this i think this and that's movie- that's the opinion that's the most interesting to me yeah because i guess i'm not like the the stuff in the the jungle with the the landmines mm-hmm. and the swerving and the bikes and the flips i thought that all was photographed well it was very exciting yeah but how many times awesome. have we seen explosions going off behind vehicles like i like how many? Uh, that's that's this franchise. I mean, that's I what, don't, no, I is is what I'm saying. But but <laughs> usually this franchise will do like okay. So where this movie tried to for me, where this movie tried to do cool moments was, and it happened like four times, three if I'm exaggerating, uh, maybe four. But it, where somebody would be falling from a great distance and they'd catch them with a car, which is the stupidest thing ever. All you're doing They've is been doing that for. S- replacing a somewhat soft surface with a hard metal surface about three feet further off the ground like it's a it's a dumb concept to begin with but aside from the physics it's like how many times do we need to see that like i just i thought the imagination on this one was i don't know and maybe it is the physics maybe it is just it went too far for me it was a bridge too far um that could possibly (laughs) be it but for for me that's that's interesting to say because for me one of the big things I've always enjoyed in movies, especially action movies, is show me something I haven't seen before. 
And the mm-hmm. Mission Impossible franchise has been great. At yes. That. Like, I've never seen an actual actor do a, a barrel roll in a helicopter yes. with an IMAX camera strapped to it. Like, that was wild. Mm-hmm. And in this movie, we don't get the realism of Vin Diesel actually doing these stunts himself in a realistic way that's grounded. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's never going to approach the highs of the Mission Impossible franchise, but it definitely plays in the same space. We're like, let's do big, big spectacle set pieces and then figure out the MacGuffin plot that interweaves these scenes later. And there's a couple like big show pieces in this movie, uh, like the bridge sequence where Dom and Letty drive full speed at an open chasm mm-hmm. and hook the axle of their car on a steel cable from mm-hmm. a once a, a now collapsed bridge. Hook the the rope on the axle and then literally swing across like Tarzan. 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 And and yeah, Tarzan. And it was just I was literally <laughs> cackling. I was out loud, just like guffawing. I will I exactly will like you, you said, Andrew. It was like a, <laughs> it was just like I can't believe this. I will give you Tarzan. Tarzan was the one moment where I was I was like, okay, that you know, that's and that was early on. So I was still yeah. having a fairly good time. And I, the also the other thing is, I promise I'll let you say good things here in a bit um but the thing is after that segment i was so bored for so long like it it seemed like there was a good 30 minute stretch of the movie that was just exposition and trying to weave the plot together so that it worked and characters like it's like people it's like they sat down with a list of things that had to happen in the movie and then just did some crazy math to figure out how to make it happen. And that whole mathematics arithmetic section of the movie for me just bored me out of my skull. And so by the time we got to whatever the next big action scene was. Um, You're right, though. The next big scene was uh, like the magnet chase in, in Edinburgh, yeah, Scotland. Yeah. And that is at least like 45 minutes later. Yeah. In between, we get like a little... Uh, I think there's like a little, there's a bunch of flashbacks. How many flashbacks are in this movie? <laughs> Five or like, six, a I lot, think. A lot. And, and that, though, yeah. those flashbacks were, were, were carrying a lot of heavy lifting because Jacob had never been in this franchise before. With actors he was we don't know, by the way, right, too. Right. So, yeah. Would, that, would those flashbacks have been um, more effective if they had de-aged Vin and John Cena? In this movie, maybe, because this movie could get away with it where other movies couldn't because everything in this movie is ridiculous. I don't know. I just thought they had so much heavy lifting to do uh, in that in that section that I just I and got bored with it. Why would you cast somebody that's five foot four to play John <laughs> Cena who would yeah. grow what three feet you know to tower over? I kept I kept Dominic. trying to figure out like wait a minute why is Dom's younger brother a foot shorter than he is when John <laughs> Cena is a giant? Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, since I think Aaron, go uh, ahead real quick. I think I know where you might be falling short on this and maybe you said it and i just didn't pick up on it this movie has no stakes like if you like look at fate i think it was fate where mm-hmm. uh charlie Theron kidnaps dom's baby right yep you know yep. those are pretty high stakes yes uh you know fast five you know there's a, a crazy heist in brazil those are high stakes this movie is just it was it wasn't that they weren't list. high stakes it was that they weren't personal yeah and I don't know that we ever really felt as as all the all the heavy lifting the flashbacks did I don't know if I ever really felt that um, Dom Toretto and his brother had this relationship I wanted to see the relationship well, I never mended they were brothers but yeah. it was frustrating because all of the all of the the work they put in with the flashbacks were with other actors so we never really got a, a, a really good moment yeah. with Vin and John Cena. 
where we could feel that there was a relationship and it was strained and it needed mending. I think they have one scene in the movie where they pull guns on each other at some like mm-hmm. palace in, mm-hmm. in Scotland at like a party. And there's a, a couple lines of dialogue. And that, I think, is their only scene together until basically the end of the movie. Yeah. And that, I think, was frustrating because that's the central conflict. And if you're not invested in that, I can totally get why you guys would check out. For me, I liked all of the little connective tissue and like the world building that, oh, this character's coming back from this movie and he's a rocket scientist now for some reason. Okay, cool. That's fun. And then Jordana Brewster's coming in and she has this to say. About, I, I kind of was interested in these people and I was just enjoying like the low key, no action. But I am a, a fan of this franchise. And I think if you weren't, I can easily see why. Yeah. Check out. Yeah. Um, all right. So this is going to get to what may be my uh, least popular opinion as as it relates to this movie. Uh, I think I may have said it on the last movie of his we reviewed. I'm not sure. Um, I don't think John Cena is an actor. Uh, I haven't. I it. I've had the sneaking suspicion that he's been that he's really good at fulfilling, um, you know, connecting the dots with acting, but not really performing. And I think there are several reasons the plot, the main plot line of this, the brother plot line doesn't work. I think he's one of them. And I, I, just, I, I not only would I agree with that, I feel like Vin Diesel's in that same category. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. Vin Diesel kind of out acts him a couple times in this movie. And Vin, that's I think Vin something. Is, Vin, Vin's more capable and he's certainly been playing this character for enough years, right. now, 20, um, to have kind of got the Dom Toretto look down. But yeah, I feel like this movie is missing uh, like a, a certain charisma from any of the lead, besides Tyrese Gibson. Like we don't have we don't have a Paul Walker, we don't have a Kurt Russell, we don't even have uh, Charlie uh, Charlie Theron is in it, and she's really charismatic as her villain. But she's, but she's so she's, wasted. She's so she's wasted in this movie. Very underutilized. And yeah, I think all the the best movies of this franchise have had really charismatic villains mm-hmm. or really charismatic leads, and the best ones five and seven had the best of both. We had right. Jason Statham and Dwayne Johnson. Yes. Like they were fantastic as villains. Man, you and could that feel really, that emptiness here. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's a big part of why uh, the central conflict didn't work. And this is pretty much entirely propped up by the the heroes and the spectacle. And if you don't buy into those two things, you end up you might like not me. Enjoy this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Actually, I think Aaron is the most surprising for the simple fact that John and I both think that stylistically, this is no different from any of the other movies well, in the later half. I, I, I agree. I agree that is the uh, the the point of contention and interest. Um, and it could just be psychological. It could be, you know, I'm running on little sleep when I saw it today. Uh, you know, like there's so many human factors that can play into this stuff. Um, but uh, but yeah, it felt very different to me. Um it just like none of the jokes were landing for me. The Tyrese ludicrous stuff, just which in other movies has been a nice little you know comic side relief. Like none I, of that stuff seemed funny that. to me. I, I would love to quickly point that out because uh, at one point uh, Tyrese's character uh, ba- basically breaking the fourth wall, almost right? figuratively and literally, he mentions like, "Hey guys, have you noticed that we've never even been hurt?" I, I wanted never to even mention got that too. Like, uh... and, and 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 he's so there. This is known on TV tropes and in writing as hanging a lampshade, mm-hmm. where you directly call attention to something that you to in order to get the audience not to criticize. You criticize it before they get a chance, right? To, right. Right. 
you draw attention to it now. Well, if the if the characters are aware that this is unbelievable, implausible, mm-hmm. and they are literally invincible superheroes, then I can no longer fault them for that because they are self-aware of it. But like Tyrese does so much lampshade hanging throughout this franchise. He's done now four or five movies in a row. Like he might as well be an interior decorator <laughs> because like without him in the movie, the whole time you're going, oh, come on. They're going to space, but he's in there before you saying exactly the same thing. Yeah, and in but in this case, and it kind of works, but it kind of irks me because it I'm like, has in the past. But again, what he's doing in this movie is the next level of that, right? Like it's literally saying, "Guys, are we superheroes?" Yeah, all the fan does he really believe that? that? About. Does he really believe that? Like what? Like what are we supposed to take from that other than I'm saying it before you can? Um, like I'm, I'm yeah. wondering, is this movie gonna have like the guts to actually be like? Oh, we are super like, you know, like, like go there somehow. But, you know, I, mean, I, I honestly, there was like a 30% chance in the back of my mind, like, oh my God, they're going to do it. Right. They're going to like reveal a thing and they show a flashback from like I episode four. I would have actually respected that quite a bit. Where, where they, they, they just show a thing and flashback like, oh yeah, back when they were dragging that safe through Rio, they went through a portal and got superpowers <laughs> and they haven't even, they didn't know <laughs> yes, about it until yes. like. Or somebody injected them all with a serum and they didn't know about yeah, it. Yeah, or Yeah. 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 Or in the very first movie, whenever Paul Walker gets hit in the back of the head with a shotgun, he's just been having a, you know, a dream this, whole, this entire time. This whole time. thing is his it's dream It's been a kind of a dream, you know, like what the last three seasons of Archer have been. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, the, the the entire Fast, for, uh, Fast and Furious franchise is, is part of the Tommy Westfall universe. We're all in the daydream of an autistic kid in St. Elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're going to um, just wake up at the end and it's all a dream. All right. Are are they really going to combine this in the Jurassic World uh, universe? What? There are rumors that Universal uh, Pictures wants to combine their two most lucrative franchises, Jurassic Park and Fast and Furious, with some crossover movies. And honestly, I'm here for it. I think that'd be a lot of fun. No. I think it would work. I think like they've they've no. already gone to space. What's left? I don't know. There's a difference. Quit. Stop. <laughs> they've already Stop. said there's going to be at least two more movies in yeah. the main franchise so uh, episode uh, fast 10 and 11, 10 and 11. not yeah. to mention probably a couple more spinoffs probably a spinoff with all the ladies probably another hobbs and shaw uh um, I mean, we could probably get like a tokyo drift spinoff with the those characters my my keyboard goes all the way up to f12 so you know like there's you know there's room for a few more for sure um I don't know. <laughs> you know, there was an old, old show from back in, I think, the 70s or 80s. It was an old animated show called Cadillacs and Dinosaurs. And whenever you were talking about how they were going to mix those two franchises, I thought, like, oh, they're not going to do Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, are they? But it sounds like yeah. they're going to do Cadillacs and Dinosaurs. I, I mean, it could work. I could totally see Mr. Nobody and or um, Jeff Goldblum calling up Dom Tredelec, Dom. The dinosaurs on the loose in L.A. We need your team, and I then can't... and then and then smash cut to Dom and a charger racing alongside a raptor, trying to pull a pit maneuver on him to get the raptor to fall. Like I could totally see it, and it would work. And more importantly, <laughs> we would, would all pay money. We would all pay money to see it, and I think you both know that this uh, would make a billion dollars. The easy. difference is the difference is, and I'm not usually one to go down this road, and so I'm kind of speaking against my own belief here. I'm being a little bit hypocritical here. But the difference is Fast and Furious, the first movie, was a more, uh, you know, dramatic uh, actual movie than, yeah, it was Point Break, break, uh, than than these are. But the original Jurassic Park is a 
classic. Like it is like one of the greatest feats of cinema yeah. ever. And so well, to do to do this to Fast and Furious, okay. You pull in my Jurassic Park, and there's part of me yeah, that's I, like, you know, I I understand the the it's it's going to sully the good name argument, but right. I feel like at this point, Jurassic Park has had one masterpiece, one or two decent sequels, but like on a whole, the the majority of Jurassic Park has been not great. The sullying has already happened, is what you're saying. Yes. <laughs> I think we're, we're pa- and we already have one more. What Fallen? No, Fallen Kingdom was the last one. Yeah. No, this Jurassic. Is, uh... What's the next one called? Jurassic World: The Lost Park. Like they're just they're just swapping yeah, I names from yeah. older movies. Um, by the time any crossover movie did happen, I feel like Jurassic Park's ticket had already been punched, and it's past <laughs> any any. Yeah, uh, I think I want to say there was one more crossover opportunity that I heard rumored, but I'm trying to think of what are the Universal property that would have been not Harry Potter. Transformers, maybe probably Transformers, uh, and that could that could probably work. Uh, I mean, Fast Fur- Fast and Furious and Transformers makes a ton of sense to me, much more yes, than that would that would that would Park, that's but... that's that seems totally normal. Yeah, Dom Toretto driving Dominion. Bumblebee, Dominion. That's right. That's right. Yeah, this is where the dinosaurs are part of our world. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm actually in the camp with Aaron because it would feel like if you were to mix Fast and Furious with Jurassic Park, to me, it would feel like finding out that uh, Brian is actually the grandson of Indiana Jones. And they tried to create, you know, an Indiana Jones, <laughs> you know, kind of where they have to drive cars to go and steal relics or something like that. It, I got to quit talking because for all I know, there's an executive out there. Who's I was like, going to hey. say, you're just giving them ideas, man. You're just well, giving yeah. them ideas. You, you, you joke about that, but the space thing is literally like an old mm-hmm. internet meme. We we all yeah. we all joked about that, and the writers were like, "You know what? We're gonna call your bluff. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna send him to low orbit in a Pontiac Fiero with a rocket strapped to the head, and just call it a day." Yep, we sure are. Um, yeah, I, you know, maybe on a different day, I'm I'm still in, but as of right now, I feel like this franchise that had kind of won me back, and I was having a good time with. I feel like I'm kind of out right now. Um, I just, what is the, what is the fast metaphor for jumping the shark? It's a great question. Um, probably literally jumping a shark. I I would imagine jumping the sub. (laughs) Is that where it went off the rails after the submarine in the last one? Uh, jumping between the Abu Dhabi skyscrapers. Sure. We can no, I think the subs, right. I think the skyscraper one was, uh, was kind of cool. Uh, the sub one is kind of, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit more like, you know, uh, stretch so yeah jump in the sub uh if you will um yeah so speaking of driving on ice <laughs> hey hey segue. couldn't pass it up uh no before we get there though any final thoughts on uh f9 um any one scenes one last thing were there there, are, there was one post credit scene uh was which... it important i haven't seen it so yeah uh, kind of yeah. it'll probably set up the next one okay yeah I imagine yeah. it's Charlize Theron, uh, nope. Theron crawling out of rubble. Um. I'll just say it's uh, <laughs> Statham related. Oh, nice! Very nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll have to check one, that one out. One thing I did like um, a, a very tiny detail. I feel like a lot of people might have missed, but the movie opens with the 75th anniversary Universal Studios logo from 1990. Mm-hmm. Because the very next shot, the opening shot of the movie, is a flashback set in 1989. 89. Yep. And and when the movie started, I'm like, that's the old logo. Mm-hmm. I had the and same I was thought. Really, I, 
and it had like it had sort of like a film grain on yes. it. Yes. And for a for a beat, I was like, they didn't load the wrong. I know I haven't <laughs> been to a movie in a year and a half, but like they know how to do this still, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but thankfully, it was just like a, it was a nice little nod yeah. to here's the old logo because the movie starts. Thirty years ago, I originally which thought. Was nice. I originally thought the stain on my screen was uh, some sort of digital, Part of the granular, di- granular kind of thing that they were doing to make that <laughs> that old footage look old. Uh, turns and out, I, it, was I, not. For one, it was not. I, I always like when uh, the studio logo incorporates into the film somehow. Mm-hmm. The Indiana Jones movies where they start the Paramount logo sure. and becomes like the mm-hmm. mountain behind it, or yeah. Waterworld. Literally, the Universal logo fills with water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, lo- I love when they incorporate it in, in a fun way like that. So I wanted to point that. Mm-hmm. Out. Uh, I guess for my one last thing, I will say I, I'm always very interested in how this movie maintains the Brian character as a living, breathing part of the universe. Um, you know, there's some, some winks and nods, uh, in here for sure. And, um, it just, it feels so weird because, you know, in a world where Paul Walker was still with us, he would absolutely be in these movies. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. and so, um, I don't know, there's something, uh, that, that, uh, breaks the reality for me anytime they kind of. Uh, bring that character back in, but I get it. You know, it's part as part of the universe. He's he's still around. Um, I, I so, for yeah. one, um, th- there's a couple mentions here and there, but the very last shot, the very mm-hmm. last yeah. moment of the movie, it's mostly what I'm talking very, about. Is a very direct reference to him, and it's the kind of thing that uh, on the plus side um, didn't feel exploitative. It nope. didn't feel unnecessary. In fact, it, it's the kind of thing like, of course, Brian would be at this scene. Of course he would. Like, be. It, it feels very weird for him not to be there. Yeah. But you don't want to like body double CGI him either because that's kind of disrespectful. No. So I felt like the way they did it was actually really nice. And I thought it was like a mm-hmm. genuinely sweet moment. Um, and that, that the movie sort of trades on real life drama to mm-hmm. kind of bring their own emotion that they can't manufacture on their own. And I think by kind of pointing that out, as you said, it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. This is you can't not mention him. At the same mm-hmm. time, by doing so, you kind of break that immersion like, oh, that's right. Paul Walker's not with yeah. us anymore and I'm bummed out again. Yeah. Yeah. So there's always that part of it for me. But, uh, you know, maybe I'll have to give this another look as somebody, unlike Andrew, who has enjoyed kind of this turn into the ridiculous uh, a little bit, um, turning into the skid, so to speak. Uh, I, I have enjoyed that. So it was a very strange experience for me today to be like, this is a terrible, terrible movie and I am not having fun. Um, so, so maybe I'll give it another chance, but, uh, Andrew, do you have a, a final thought? Uh, just the post credit scene. I always like to let people know when there is one. Nice. Uh, yeah. Well, there you I've go. Talked enough about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, we're going into the ice road here and, um, it's another, it's another movie about driving cars crazy and crazy car stunts and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, I kind of wish I had done something like that for the best ever challenge. Cause we were on a nice streak where our best ever challenge was about both movies. Like for the last yeah. two weeks, uh, it's, you know, I think it was, you know, movies that start with I N and both of the movies that week started with I N and, um, but, uh, but no, we wanted to give Liam Neeson some spotlight. So he's not an F nine as far as I know. Um, no, but I, I mean, wouldn't be surprised if he's in the next one. <laughs> could be, could he'd be, be a great villain. He really would. I agree. If they, if they combine the Taken franchise with the Fast franchise. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. Uh, let's do it. Let's talk about the ice road. You heard about the cave-in? Yeah. I'm putting together a rescue mission. 
We have 26 trapped miners who are running out of air. I need 300 feet of pipe delivered up there in under 30 hours. Can you make it happen? Says you had experience on the ice road. Yep. He's the mechanic. One of the best. Sweet Jesus. Give me 50 bucks. One of my drivers just became available. Wait, what's it for? Bail. I, yeah, what? Told you this wasn't going to be easy. I'm in. After a remote diamond mine collapses in far northern Canada, an ice road driver must lead an impossible rescue mission over a frozen ocean to save the trapped miners. Uh, this is on Netflix, starring Liam Neeson. I should mention F9 is only in theaters uh, for the time yeah. being. Um, but uh, but yeah, this one is on Netflix. You've got Liam Neeson, Lawrence Fishburne. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else in here you'll really Matt know. Matt McCoy, yeah. who you might remember from the last couple episodes of the Police Academy franchise. There you go. There you <laughs> I go. I think it was the last movie I saw him in was Police Academy <laughs> well, 7. <laughs> Amber Midthunder is... Uh, she's from Hell or High Water and Legion, so you might know yes. her from there. Yes, uh, she did look familiar. Uh, what did you yeah. guys think? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? Andrew, I will let you go first. High side of didn't like it, close to okay. Okay. John? Uh, I liked it. Nice. Right in the middle. I did Not really high or low. Uh, I think I'm closer to Andrew. I'm going to go low side of just okay uh, is where I'm going to end up on this one. Um. Yeah, let's talk about it a little bit. John, it sounds like, again, that you liked it more than uh, either Andrew or I, so why don't you kick us off? I think I'm, I'm just having a good weekend and I'm in a good mood, so that <laughs> helps considerably. John's, John's like, movies are back! I, I No, I, I um, got some good personal news this week, so I've just sort oh, of been nice. riding high. Hey. And, well, um, congratulations. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, I guess I just kind of went into this um, fully ready to appreciate, like, a dumb Liam Neeson action thriller on Netflix, and he's mm-hmm. done about a dozen of these in the last 10 years. Ice Road is no different. It's a very simple concept. It feels like a uh, like a poor man's version of The Wages of Fear or Sorcerer. Um, and I've only seen the former, but if you haven't, one of my all-time favorite black and white French films. Like, holy crap, that movie is as tense, as suspenseful as they get. And it's a similar concept to this. You have to deliver precious cargo on a time limit across dangerous terrain. And all of that stuff I felt really worked. Early on mm-hmm. where the trucks are driving over the ice and there's like mm-hmm. talk about the waves and the pressure. It's like this is really interesting. Mm-hmm. This is real world stakes with real world drama and consequences. But then they introduce this like murderous bad guy. Yes. <laughs> the, the and it's just like, twirling. oh. And <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, he was. He literally like a mustache twirling villain. And it's kind of like, oh, okay. So it is going to just devolve back into like a regular Liam Neeson action thriller. And mm-hmm. I kind of just wanted more of the truck driving. Yeah. That is and, my biggest negative with this movie. Yeah. And I didn't like the villain. I, I didn't feel like the motivations lined up. Like I get like the corporate angle, uh, but it just, uh, that felt flat for me. But the action and I felt like the general premise, at least until like the halfway mark was all really captivating. And I kind of fell off by the end, but I think it still sort of stuck the landing enough that I, I would give it like a soft recommend. No, this is a movie that really didn't know what it had. It should have been comfortable with saying, you know what? Man against the elements, those stakes are high enough. They didn't yes. believe in themselves into thinking that they could make an entire movie based on that premise of man versus nature or, you know, the intelligence of 
you know, what these truck drivers have to do. And it's funny because last week, whenever we were saying uh, the movies we were going to be reviewing for this week, I joked because neither Aaron and I knew what Ice Road was about. I joked it was Ice Road Truckers the movie. And it's it's Ice Road Truckers <laughs> not, the movie. Not yeah. far off. Yeah. It, it's kind of like, uh, to that criticism, uh, Andrew, it's kind of like, think the perfect storm. But there's a double crosser on board the boat, and it's like, <laughs> why? No, that, why? we don't need that. Like that's so un- the the threat is enough on its own. And I think yeah. more than that, I, the movie wasn't able to go more than ten minutes without introducing another hiccup. And it's like, just let one of these issues breathe. Every single consequence and every single obstacle they face is enough to kill everyone on this mission. And they go through like eight of them. There's avalanches and like pressure waves and a guy with a gun. Like there's all these things they have to get through. It's like slow down just give us one of these things yeah yeah i uh like, there's a moment early on like one of the first obstacles they run into before the whole mustache twirling and i'm like you know what i'm actually kind of I- I- in- excited right now and is this kind of a- intense you know mm-hmm. but then they they didn't believe that was enough right i didn't get it because a the the whole elements of man versus nature is it is intense, right? And then you add on that a time limit, like you have to get to this place, you know, before a certain time. And the ice that's, is melting. It's late April. Yeah, there's a lot of built-in yeah. stakes here. You don't need any of this extra corporate, you know, snidely whiplash stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I am a hundred percent with you guys. Uh, the reason I'm in kind of you know it was just okay. Uh, as opposed to didn't like it is because of the ice road stuff. Like I felt like, oh, yeah. I haven't seen this before. I'm hearing about mm-hmm. things that whether they're true or not are interesting to me. That pressure wave thing was very interesting to me. The idea yeah. of when you're driving on ice, you have to drive the exact right speed so that you don't create a pressure wave by going too fast, but that you don't break the ice by going too slow. Um, because that's really there, fascinating. There was a little- there was a little bit of exposition in this involving bobbleheads, and I was legitimately like, "That's really neat." Yeah, and I was yeah. I was so excited for the payoff. And when we did get the payoff, it was like, "Oh, at this point, like I've seen everything else. Mm-hmm. Big deal." Yeah, yeah, I agree, and I agree with the secondary point that both of you made that the movie doesn't trust that it has something interesting enough without throwing yeah. in uh, Snidely Whiplash and uh, Snidely Whiplash Junior. Uh, and, <laughs> and it's just, it's, I, I just, I didn't need it. It just didn't need it. No. And if there was a, see, here's, if you want some of the sabotage, which I can understand how you can create uh, tension with sabotage and create situations that they need to get out of all that kind of stuff with sabotage. I don't know that it needs to be connected so high. I think it could just be the, you know, the, and, uh, person from the insurance company trying to that's what i thought it might be at first you know it was just like trying to take a loss on you know the trucks not necessarily kill people or whatever just you know trying to sabotage yeah. the trucks so that they could take a big you know settlement you know from from that that was that was a uh, that was like a logic issue i struggled with for like the first half of the movie cuz the whole time after they sort of revealed the villain and his motivation i was like but why, though? Why do they right. want to kill a, a mindful of people? And it wasn't until later, I'm like, just profits? That's it? They, they're willing to kill 29 people for money? That's it? It felt so, like, beyond the pale to me. that I And they didn't establish these 
corporate types as like so, like so evil. Mm-hmm. They yeah. were they were just like dudes that and- were in an office, and they did. I, I felt like there was a really strong disconnect between what they were doing and what was appropriate for their character. And for those that are yelling at their podcast player uh, about how naive we are not to think that uh, corporate people would kill us for money. <laughs> We're talking about active murder here, which again, maybe, maybe we are being naive, but that just that doesn't seem to be of the stories that come out what it's usually and about. It, and it's not just that I had an issue with that; it's that they didn't establish their characters as being like so money hungry, evil mm-hmm. that this yeah. felt that didn't feel like a normal decision to them. It felt well, to me of, like, and again, I, I, I guess I need to say this again: we're kind of spoiling this a little bit, but uh, the movie. Never treats this as a secret. The, like, I mean, I guess it does for like five minutes, uh, but it's, yeah, it's not something the movie is interested in, uh, you know, using in that way. So, yeah, yeah. What kind of mining corporation in the Great North has a hitman on retainer? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want to know. It's a good I question. I think there's a line where he, where he just says, I, I work... That's my department or something. Yeah. 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 Yeah, uh, This movie starts off with hands down the worst CGI special effect ever. When, when the mine, like when the mine goes off, you know, and like the explosions happen mm -hmm. that causes what potentially could have been a very interesting movie. It looked like Sharknado level bad CGI. Yeah. Now I am I am so glad you brought this up because I have a really fun story to tell about this. I oh, um, okay. I am friends with somebody on Letterbox that uh, managed to see an early work print version of Ice Road back in March. This was like four months ago. Okay. And I was like, dude, how how are you reviewing this movie? And he's like, oh, um, it looks like one of the editors accidentally left their Vimeo work print public. And this is <laughs> this is the version. This is like a like a low res file that they would share around with the other editors to get feedback or whatever. So this was like pre-viz. The, the, it was the finished cut, but no sound mix. Right. And most of the visuals weren't pasted in there. Um, so I took a look at it, and I watched like a good 10, 15 minutes or so of this work print. The whole thing has like burned on in uh, watermark, like property of Ice Road Productions. And the yeah. beginning of the movie starts with like literally Adobe stock Getty images, like stock footage of this mine. And then there's this dump truck. And this fake-looking explosion. And it literally, there's like some text that says, explosion visual here. Like they're going to add it in later. And, and like I kid you not, Andrew, it did not improve much from what no, I saw in like the so four-month work print to what actually got released. Oh, man. And it, it just – because this was a, a like a clip. Only a few – 85 people had watched it on Vimeo when I got a, a hold of it. And I was like, oh, my God. I'm seeing something that like less than 100 people have glimpsed yet. And – I was so tempted to just tweet it, but that would have been very wrong and unethical. So I kept it to myself, and I'm finally able to share now that seeing the early version was it was interesting too, from like a production standpoint, mm-hmm. seeing yeah. what they had finished and where the green screen was going to be, and all the stuff where they're in the office building, just looking out the window. That was like in a parking lot, and they have mm-hmm. to replace all that. And I'm like, oh, I guess that's a visual effect. I yeah. wouldn't have thought about that. And everything with Liam Neeson on the ice road. There's like a building right next to them the whole time. <laughs> and I just love seeing that like behind the scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. But the visuals were so janky and unfinished. And the finished movie, I, I don't know that was it was that much stronger. There, there's especially uh, towards the climax of this movie, there's like a big visual uh, a moment um, yeah. involving a truck. 
And it did not look good at all. No. And I was kind of like, ooh, really? Wow. They, because the movie was almost finished four months ago. So what have they been working on? <laughs> yeah. But there's always just, things. It's, it's always time. It's budget. I'm sure the visual effects guys were doing their best. But uh, yeah. this one might have needed a little more time in the oven, I think. This movie yeah, they- also uh, is dependent on us buying into the relationship between two brothers, uh, as is uh, F9. How did you feel about that relationship, um, the mental hardship oh, of the brother? Gertie and Mike. Per- yeah, Gertie and Mike. How would you feel about the Gertie and Mike thing? I, I, You know what? I bought into it, and okay. I liked it. There's a moment in this where... Uh, I'll just say Liam Neeson's character makes like a hard shift that kind of caught me off guard, mm-hmm. and I was yeah, like, I think I know oh. exactly what you're. I know exactly what you're referring. I'm like, oh, I'm that like, was kind of mean, and I don't, I don't like that he did yeah. that. Yeah, but it's not that it was mean. I can deal with a character being mean. It just it was mean out of nowhere. Like yeah. you know, uh, you know what Gertie he has aphasia. We can say that where. He thinks what he's saying sounds normal, but the words that are coming out of his mouth don't quite match up to what mm-hmm. makes sense. So yeah, so um, as a result, he has an, a you know a disability as an adult, and people treat him differently and sort of judge him and look down on him. Yeah. And he has, to, and Liam Neeson has to sort of look out for his disabled yeah. brother. And yeah, so yeah the tension it creates feels real, but some of the emotional outbursts felt like sort of vin- uh, uh, vindictive for no reason. I was kind of mm-hmm. like, okay, that was yeah. But no, I actually bought into the Gertie Mike. It, it kind of worked for me, and I actually I, I like, like it enough. I, I was like, oh, you know, I want these guys to be okay. Yeah, I I liked it, and again, it was something the movie had that it didn't seem to trust. You know, like the, again, there's the movie had enough elements that they could have built an interesting story around um, without having to be so uh, over the top. I think, and uh, and yeah, I think I think it, uh, it it very much kind of a Rain Man kind of feel to it. You know, with him being so good at mechanical stuff, and you know, um, Liam Neeson in the Tom Cruise role uh, in some ways. Uh, so, which I don't think I don't think Gertie was like Rain Manish. I think aphasia doesn't affect like your mental. Right, fortitude and stuff. It's just your ability to speak. Yeah, I meant the relationship so. dynamic is what is what I'm oh, talking about as being okay, okay. like. Yeah, um, that he he's sort of gifted in mechanical ways, but right. can't communicate well. So he needs Liam right. to sort of be his proxy right. yeah. and his uh, his guard, yeah. his, his ward. Yeah. Um, yeah, th- th- I mean the movie is is very average. I think if you like Liam Neeson uh, straight to video thrillers, uh, if you've seen the last four or five he's put out, uh, is more of the same. I yeah. think this is. Probably yeah, right down the not not as worse, not as best, but I think it's worth the ninety something minutes. It's interesting that Liam Neeson decided to be an action hero after he was fifty years old. You yeah. know, well he turns <laughs> seventy this year, right? Doesn't he turn seventy this year? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, seventy is the new fifty. He says, <laughs> hoping it's true. <laughs> and, uh, he. Uh, and quite frankly, he can still get it. Yeah. And I have, he's, he, I still like it. Yeah. He's good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, any final thoughts? I don't really have anything else to, to mention. If you guys do, that's fine. Uh, otherwise we'll move on. No, no I think we, I think we, the, the, I think the big thing really was it, 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 it squandered what it had, tried to get more and it kind of fell flat. Yeah. 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 Truck, 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 truck. truck. Uh, before we head on to the best ever challenge, wanted to remind you of the Sift Pop membership that is available to you. We already yeah. mentioned the Sift Pop 
uh, post-show that we're doing this week on ranking the Fast and Furious movies, or at least kind of talking about those rankings. Uh, you can check that out at the Patreon, patreon.com slash siftpop. As a member of the uh, siftpop uh, website, uh, you get all sorts of fun stuff, but you can check all the uh, the differences there at the patreon.com slash siftpop website. And thank you to those who are already siftpop members, and thank you to you for even considering it and hang, heading over there and checking it out. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. All right, let's move into the Best Ever Challenge. We're doing Best Ever Liam Neeson Movies, as mentioned. We'll go number five to number one and talk about any honorable mentions we have. Uh, I'm going to kick us off uh, this week Mm. and start us with my number five, which is Batman Begins. Um, Nice. Uh, Honorable mention. Trump. Oh, all right. John's going to Trump. Batman Begins. Um, I guess we'll go to you, Andrew. What's your number five? Uh, this is a movie that most people either hate or really appreciate. I'm going to go with The Gray. Trump. Wow. <laughs> We're just mentioning John's favorite Liam Neeson movies, man. Yeah. Fine. Yeah, John, right. if you wanted to go first, all you had to do was say, I want to go first. <laughs> I, got, I went you first in the last now two I'm, segments, so. Now I'm mad, so I'm going to trump whatever you say. Yeah, whatever you say, I'm going to trump it. John, what do you got at number five? Next three days. Oh, not trumping that. Oh, okay. I, I don't even know if I've seen that. That's and the I, uh, Russell Crowe one, right? This is now that I think about it. This is actually kind of a cheat. I feel he's barely in this movie. Um, so no, that's not let, how this game works. It's not if they're in the movie long enough. <laughs> that's right. I'll tell you right now, my number one. He's in the movie for like three minutes. All right, so <laughs> I'll, I'll go with it. I'll go with it then. Um, the next three days is a um, Russell Crowe actioner with uh, Elizabeth Banks, his wife gets, I think, locked away in prison for a murder she may not have committed, but may have committed. And Russell Crowe, the entire thing, it's like reverse Shawshank. He wants to get her out of prison by sort of getting into it. And um, he he goes to Liam Neeson to ask for advice because Liam Neeson is like an expert prison escape artist. And there's a great scene where 
He sits down with Russell Crowe and explains everything. He's gonna, you're going to need fake passports. You're going to need all this money. You're going to need $500,000. You're going to be able to do this, this, and this. You're going to need to make decisions that you are not willing to make right now. And you have to be able to put everything behind and run to another country. And it's a really great like procedural uh, prison escape movie, but told from the perspective of somebody from the outside. And uh, I really dug it. Big yeah. recommend. All right, moving on to my number four. This is where, and I will not be surprised if I'm trumped, uh, this is where I have taken uh, at number Trump. four. John, Trump. still trumping. Like, man, how many slots do you have Trump. left, man? Yeah, seriously, this, this doesn't just, even make I'm sense. Just, I'm just playing the trumpet over here. I'm just... <laughs> All right, Andrew, what do you got at number four? Uh, this is where I have John, Kingdom of Heaven. <laughs> nope, no, you're all, you're all set there. Oh, wow, I get to talk? This is crazy. <laughs> Do it. Okay, uh, uh, this, uh, this is specifically the re-released, uh, the director's cut, because the right. director's cut is so much better than the original theatrical release, which was We very... had this conversation, I think, on an episode a few months back. I forget why we were talking about director's I think the Zack Snyder episode. Snyder. No, it was the yeah. Snyder cut. Snyder we cut, yeah. yeah. Man, this this cut of the movie is so good that it makes me mad that this wasn't the theatrical release because everybody who saw it in theaters, nobody's going to want to rewatch like the three hour version of this movie. But it's it's so good, and yeah, I highly highly recommend it. Ed Edward Norton as the Leper King Baldwin is just amazing. He's so mm-hmm. good. Yeah, really good movie. <laughs> And the director's cut is the extra long one, like the three plus hour one, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I will make a note that when I do watch this to see that version oh, yeah. specifically. Uh, yeah, definitely. Well, John, what do you got at your number four? Uh, my number four is The Gray. Ah, hey. there we go. Okay. Andrew, would you like to keep talking about uh, the wolf movie? Hey, you got you got to hire. <laughs> yeah, so you've got to hire. You, you go just first. Pick up the pieces. Um, this, I think, we all went into expecting another like low budget direct video Liam Neeson action thriller. But this one was a lot more like psychological, a lot more uh, yeah. introverted and, mm-hmm. and, and about like his own psyche. And it is not just like a survival wilderness movie. It is a lot of that. And those parts are great. But so much of the stuff that works here is like him wrestling with his own concepts of like religion and life and value yeah. and coming to terms with, uh, frankly, death, like coming to terms with the fact like I might die alone in this mountain surrounded by wolves and there's just some great stuff in this movie where he sort of uh, very vocally and very directly confronts his faith in God and like putting him in this position. Oh, oh, it's some really good stuff, legitimately emotional and powerful. And you kind of forgot for a, like a decade, like, oh, yeah, Liam Neeson is a solid actor. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. just been typecast in his like late 60s, but like he can really get it sometimes. And yeah, the gray is really good. Yeah, that scene you're talking about where he's like screaming up at the sky, show your sh- show yourself, show me something real. And yeah, then he's like, good. fine, I'll just do it on my own. Yeah, you know? that was good. I love this movie for the simple fact that the wolves aren't portrayed in a realistic manner. They're hyper-monsterized. And that's on purpose because the they're not supposed to represent nature or anything. I think that these wolves are more to represent like inner suffering and you know turmoil and stuff like that so they have to be you know these terrifying creatures like they don't even act or even look like the alpha wolf in this movie this all black wolf looks more like gamork than anything (laughs) really but 
It's a really good the, the, movie. The, the and... picture definitely has like a, a dreamlike quality to it, and I'm sure there's probably film theory circling around that suggests everything oh, after the plane crash yeah. is all just in his head, and he, he actually died in yeah. the first three minutes, and the whole movie is like some weird afterlife, mm-hmm. uh, you know, trial he has to go through. But yeah, I, I kind of dig that everything in it feels a little ethereal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love the ending of this movie with that, just that quiet piano score. And he's like taping the knife and those little shot bottles to his hand. And he, he recites his father's poem. I'm actually getting emotional thinking about it. This is crazy. <laughs> no, it's, le- it's legitimately a great ending. It's no, really yeah. powerful. He's reciting that his father's poem, The Once More Into the Gray. And then this is where a lot of people hate this movie. It just ends. It quits. Yeah. And this is a movie I think a lot of people don't realize has a post credit scene. Yeah. So definitely yeah. check out it. I, uh, I think I, it's a great movie. I love it as well. It is uh, certainly in my honorable mentions. Um, but yeah, that's one to check out if you haven't seen it. The Gray. Yeah. Definitely misunderstood. Right, you are number four then. My number three, I think, were two. I'm sorry, that's right. Three. You went first. That's yeah. right. Yes. because I, It felt like I went first. Yeah. Keep <laughs> trumping me, John. Uh, my number three is Widows. Um, this yeah. is this is a phenomenal movie. I was just thinking about this movie the other day, and some of the choices that Steve McQueen makes with uh, the camera work in this movie came back to me. Uh, that shot where the camera's on the hood of the car as it travels from uh, the inner city to you know a wealthy or from a wealthy home to the inner city, and it's like two blocks away, you know, kind of thing. Um, it is a crazy shot. Beautiful it, cinematography. And I, I love the performances here. Um, there's just there's a lot going on here that I really really like. Uh, so Widows is my number three. I'm going to stick that on my watch list because I hadn't even heard of that one. Oh, you hadn't gotten around to seeing Widows? Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't know if I've Actually, heard of it. <clears throat> no, it's it's a it's a female heist movie. I know we're talking about Liam Neeson, but this is like, uh, uh. What's her name? Viola yeah. Davis. Viola and, Davis. Uh, this, of- I'm looking at it now on Letterboxd, and legitimately, I have like no recollection of this. It only came out a few years ago. I right yeah. past my radar. It was yeah. definitely high on the uh, awards discussion that year, yeah, but it yeah. was kind of high. It was it was high in awards discussion in that way where it didn't really make a lot of waves, but it was just kind of in the conversation. And so, yeah, it probably fell. Uh, you had me at it. Liam Neeson. <laughs> yeah. All right, you're number three, Andrew. Uh, this will get trumped, I know. Schindler's List. Yeah. Trump, Trump, yep. Trump. That'll be Trump. Yeah. So uh, I think at this point, all of my movies have already been uh, revealed. Well, then go <laughs> yeah. with what's your number three. I don't think three? you can physically Trump anymore. <laughs> no, I've run out. I've run out of picks. Mathematically possible. Um, impossible. My number three is Batman Begins. Um, okay. I, I think it's it's very hard not to love this movie. It is one of the absolute best origin stories for any superhero um, mm-hmm. And the 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 way they create these characters seemingly from scratch, like the, the world's greatest detective, is someone we had seen a hundred times before, played by many different actors. But Christopher Nolan's adaptation and bringing Batman back to life here was so good and so effective and so like grounded and authentic and gritty. And Liam Neeson plays a big part uh, as the villain, Ra's al Ghul, as this just like I don't know mountain man samurai that seems to know all Batman's weaknesses. <laughs> um, it was great. Uh, Andrew, I think you had it at, what, your number four? Or your five? I no, had it at uh, number five. I had it, it at my number five. Mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I mean, it's Nolan, right? And doing superhero stuff. And uh, so it's always going to be interesting. as Christian Christian Bale doing incredible. Like, it was just kind of like, oh, Batman has been refreshed in a new take, a new way. And it's, it's really well done. 
very very well done so yeah as, as somebody who prides himself on you know loving dc comics and especially batman i think that the batman begins for as many times as we've seen it the origin you know the the alley, you know, with the pearls and the gun and stuff like that. I think. Oh that gosh, Nolan... it's so. I've been going through the animated movies. They still show that alley scene, like in every one. Yeah, yeah. I think that Nolan did it best. I think that Nolan did it best because before that, he establishes Thomas and Martha, you know, in a way to where you know you get to understand them more, and it really makes more sense as to why Bruce grows up to be who he is. I think yeah. that out of every iteration of the Batman, I think Nolan has understood the motivation behind the character the most. Yeah. Yep. It's great. It's great. Um, yeah, I had it at number five, and John had it at number three. So we're on to our number twos. Uh, this yep. is where I have the Lego movie. Um, Same. I love, love, love this movie. Uh, yeah. And I think primarily uh, a lot of that love has to do with how it surprised me. Um, and I don't just mean plot-wise, although certainly there are some pro- some surprises. I mean heart-wise. I was not ready for the 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 real, just absolute beauty that is in this movie uh, towards the end. And um, it's, <laughs> it comes it's a, out of nowhere. It comes out of nowhere, and it's it a real magic hard. trick. It's a real magic trick what this movie does. Um, so, John, so, your yeah. audio's uh, muted. Legitimately, one of my favorite like cinema experiences is the ending of the Lego Movie. Yeah, because it turns on such uh, like a dime, and it's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> they, I whoa, and it's mm. so good that like last 15, 20 minutes, <laughs> yeah, where they kind of make that Aaron. reveal. I was sitting in the theater like I wasn't ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So <clears throat> yeah, yeah, it's, it's my number two stuff. as well. Oh, nice. It's shockingly. A brilliant, brilliant movie. On top of it being one of the funniest movies ever made, it's super. It has fun. something to say. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Modern classic. I think we will look back many years with with good reverence yeah. at the Lego movie. So that was my number two as well. So John, what do you got at number two? Uh, Taken. There you go. Uh, the, the the original Taken, as the sequels were very, very bad. Um, but that first installment, the one that kicked off Liam Neeson's action uh career like the back half of his catalog there's something so visceral and satisfying and gratifying about his character brian mills who just doesn't even stop to question the bad he just shoots and keeps going there's no breathing room in this entire it's like a very very lean like 88 minute film and it is just breakneck from the moment his daughter's kidnapped it's just basically one long fight sequence and there's a great scene where he meets one of the heavies, one of the bad guys towards the end, and he corners him in an elevator. And the and the bad guy immediately starts like begging for his life. And before he can even say like a third word, Liam shoots him in the kneecap. He's like, "Tell me what I want to know." And then he starts yeah. begging for his life, and then he shoots him again. And I'm like, "Yes, I love this. Just just waste this guy. Like he, he has no information <laughs> that you even." And I, the the impatience and like the exactness of his character makes it so easy to root for him. Just lay waste to everyone in Paris that is connected to your daughter's kidnapping and just get to the end. Uh, it's just, it's like a, almost like a modern day diehard. Like it's such sure. a simplified, distilled action movie with no fat, no plot holes. It just works straight through. I wonder if, and I had this at number four, you had it at number two. Um, 
I wonder if you could almost say that this entire kind of second chapter, second half of Liam Neeson's career is due is due to his uh, his proficiency and delivery of that phone call scene. Like that almost, one, almost you. entirely. Yes. Yeah. Like That's that one for the movie, scene. You know? That one scene. I think launched him into like four, five, six different movies he's done over the last. Uh, five you know. or six, he's done like 25 of these. <laughs> he did this. The, the, the Ice Road was like the third movie he's done in the last 12 months. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you guys saw The Marksman or The mm-hmm. yeah. the Honest Thief. Those both came out in the last 12, 13 months. Yeah. And those are pretty decent too. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the the phone call speech in Taken did for Neeson's sort of resurrection of career that Airplane did for, I'm sorry, Liam Neeson and uh, Leslie Nielsen. I almost <laughs> yes. got those two mixed up. The phone call did for Liam Neeson what Airplane did for Leslie Nielsen, Mm -hmm. where he was a dramatic, serious actor for 30 years. And then he switched to comedy, and then his entire career shifted. And the back 20 years of his life, he only did comedies, and he did them great. And Liam had a similar sort of transformation there. Yeah, There you go. Uh, Taken gets a lot of credit for that, for sure. And it should. It should. Uh, Fun fact – I think that's the first movie I saw with Danae in theaters. Oh, nice. Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, All right, on to our number ones, uh, minus Schindler's List. Uh, And, John, I figured yours was the same. Andrew, you had it at number three. Three. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, it's a weird... I know this. you're number one, so you should talk first. But this is a movie that... Uh, is difficult to have yes. lower than other movies. Is it one of the most important movies ever made? Yes. 100%. But whenever I'm going, there has to be an entertainment element to a movie. I rewatched this like three days ago. Oh, interesting. And uh, yeah, gosh, this is a rough movie. Do, do, it's do you not still cry at you... the end? Oh, yeah. Every time yeah, yeah. <laughs> that I could have gotten more out, kills. Mm-hmm. It's, it's one of the most brutal movies. Uh, before I let you guys just gush over all this movie, I got a fun story for you. I'm colorblind, so uh, it everybody was talking about the girl in the red dress, and mm-hmm. I never knew green. that there was a girl in a red or in a red coat until like I got these like chroma glasses and I watched oh, the movie. Nice. And I'm like, oh, red, and I was like <laughs> pointing it out. So yeah, it's it's. I'll let you guys talk now. No, that's really cool. That's uh, that's really interesting. Um, yeah, Schindler. I mean, Schindler's List is Schindler's List, and yeah. it's it's incredible filmmaking. It's incredible performances. It's incredibly important. Um, I think important is the is the key word here. Mm-hmm. It isn't just like a masterpiece of Steel, Spielberg's magnum opus, probably uh, one of the best movies of his very storied career. But it it, it brought the Holocaust as terrible and horrifying as it is. Into something that was accessible, uh, entertainment's probably not the right word, but accessible medium so that mm-hmm. people could see how terrible this was in a way that you don't have to go to a museum and, and lean over like an age dividing wall that prevents young kids from seeing some of the real footage that happened there. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. It's, 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 it's breathtaking in like the worst way. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, Andrew, what do you got at number one? Yeah, um, this is my number seven movie of all time. Mm-hmm. And thank you, Daniel Day-Lewis and Leonardo DiCaprio. And a three-minute scene with Liam Neeson. I'm going with Gangs of New York. <laughs> yeah, I figured right. you would. A- I know you love this movie. Yeah. Yeah, this movie for me is cl- 
really close to perfection. Uh, when it comes to like a fascinating, it's a period piece, it's true story in the sense that the the events circling around, you know, the war and the five points, you know, but you know what was going on with uh, the 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 riots in New York during the Civil War and stuff like that. Uh, it's a fascinating, fascinating movie, and besides, uh, there will be blood. This is like one of the greatest performances of all time, and they're both Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah. So uh, that's your. He has a habit of that. Yeah. yeah, he has a habit of being. You know, a lot Very of people good. say he was in. A lot of people say he was in Lincoln, but I never saw him because they actually went back in time and got Abraham Lincoln. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but uh this uh this movie is as Shakespearean as you can get without being Shakespeare. A, a very powerful revenge film filled with violence, love and suspense. Yeah. And there are moments where you can laugh. I think that everybody in this movie is on their game. This it's a great movie and for me it is easily Scorsese's best movie. Very nice. Gangs of New York comes in at number one for Andrew. Uh, Solid pick. You guys, yeah. Obviously, pre- obviously, we'd have to say Schindler's List is the uh, sip pop choice for the sure. Weekend. Two number ones and a number three. That makes sense. I think it was and, and, the and, only and movie you, on all three of our lists, right? Uh, might have been. Did, did, did somebody not have you Batman didn't have Begins? The gray. No, I didn't. And I didn't it have was the my gray. First honorable mention. Yeah. Wow. So. Wow. Uh, yeah. I, quickly, I wanted to mention Andrew. You, you touched on with Schindler's List that it's an important movie. And everyone should see it 100%. But it's uh, also not, like, super enjoyable. Like, it's it's really hard to watch. Yeah. Um, which is why, like, yeah, what do you want to watch tonight? Let's put on Schindler's List. Like, that's not really how you answer that question. That's like, I'd rather watch yeah. something a little more fun that doesn't make me feel sick to my stomach. But, uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's so necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it's one of those movies that should be required viewing, but it's difficult to say when somebody should see it. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. That is a good. That is a good point. Uh, you guys uh, mentioned all of my honorable mentions except for one. The only one that hasn't been mentioned that I had listed was uh, Line the Witch in the Wardrobe, the first Chronicles of Narnia movie. Oh, neat! Um, oh, I got a couple. Yeah, and so. uh, Liam Neeson, of course, voiced uh, a- uh, Aslan, Aslan in that yeah. movie and did so very, very well. Um, I wish the other Chronicles of Narnia movies had been as good as Line Witch in the Wardrobe. It was the only one I saw, so. Dawn Treader's okay. Caspian is downright terrible. It's just, it's like they had no idea what they were doing in Caspian. Um, so, mm-hmm. but that's just a fan of the original books speaking. There you go. I have a, I have a couple of familiar movies in the uh, honorable mention category. Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. definitely not one of the best Star Wars movies, but uh, Dual face, he, man. he makes. Liam Neeson helps make the Phantom Menace much better. Yeah. Uh, so I think that deserves some credit. Um, Love Actually is a classic around the holidays. And he's, again, not really necessarily in- integral to that p- film. He's one of the many little disparate threads, but he's really fun. Mm-hmm. And a movie many people have not seen. And honestly, it's not even very good. But it's, like, just really crazy, really bananas, and quite fun. An Irish comedy horror kind of spoof movie called High Spirits. Hmm. It's sort of like a zany slapsticky uh, I think it's adapted from a play because everything kind of takes place in a haunted castle on Halloween night and Liam mm. Neeson is one of many very strange quirky characters in this and he plays up his Irish accent it is a lot of fun uh, this is maybe the kind of movie you get drunk and watch with friends it came out in the 80s it's an older movie I just have to recommend it because it is so weird <laughs> there you go <laughs> high spirits hey, Andrew do you have any others 
Yeah, I got two more. Uh, Kroll, it's an old 80s fantasy mm-hmm. sci-fi movie, which is just weird as I'll get as those early 80s fantasy movies were. Uh, and then a movie that I don't think a lot of people have seen, but I think they would really enjoy is a movie called Rob Roy. Have either of you seen it? Yeah, oh, yeah. I have, yes. Yeah. yeah. It's like Poor Man's Braveheart. Mm-hmm. It's Poor Man's Braveheart, but... It is some it's of the most good. real. Is some of the most realistic sword fighting and sword play you yeah, can see in a movie. There's like a big climactic sword fight that's like six or seven minutes long. Yeah, big unbroken takes. It's some really good. Yeah, stuff Tim Roth is great in that movie, and so is Liam Neeson. And uh, yeah, it's a good. movie. I'm gonna check out Krull though. That looks fantastically you, 80s. It is <laughs> just a so movie fantastically. It is the, the so, movie poster is just yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those kind of like uh, what what could I compare it to? Uh, Enemy Mine or like a kind of never ending story ish or little uh, little labyrinthy, you know? Labyrinth, a like yeah, that'd be a really good one too. Yeah, it's fun. It's a fun movie. Just uh, don't take it too seriously. <laughs> there you I go. never would. Nice. Uh, all right, there's our best ever Liam Neeson movies. It is time for The Buried Treasure. Um, I'm going to go first uh, and mention, you know what? I'll mention the whole thing, but I will recommend you go find a YouTube clip of the moment I'm about to tell you about. Uh, the World Championships for Disc Golf took place uh, this past weekend, and I'm a big fan of Disc Golf. I actually watch all the tournaments. Uh, and root on my favorites, and I, I that, love the that sport. That sounds like a line. The way you said it, like I'm actually, I've seen all the tournaments of disc golf and <laughs> stuff. You right. know, that's right. I've studied them. <laughs> I've seen them all. But this weekend <laughs> was the World Championship, and it was an incredible tournament. It's the only tournament in disc golf that is five rounds long. So they play five full rounds of eighteen holes, and on the wow. last hole of the fifth round. Uh, one of the players was one stroke back and needed to make a birdie to send it into a sudden death playoff. However, his uh, third shot came up very... Uh, he couldn't even get around the trees that he had to get around, so he was still 250 feet out, and he hit the shot from 250 feet out to force a sudden death playoff. If, That's like some tin cup stuff. It yeah. is incredible. If nothing else, r- go find yourself on YouTube the clip of the finish of the 18th on the fifth round of the World Disc Golf Championships this weekend. It is absolutely astonishing. And of course, it's a very popular sport. There were thousands of people there, so the place just went berserk. Um, it's I've, I've, it's probably one of my top five sports moments I've ever seen live because I was watching live wow. when it happened. So. Um, that's fighting words. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's so, my praise. I've seen my I've praise. seen more incredible sports moments, you know, like on recording or later or whatever. But actually, like seeing sure. something happen live, like it just it blew my mind. He, by the way, that same player, James Conrad, who by the way ended up winning the tournament on the first sudden death uh, hole, so that ended up allowing that's him to cool. win. Uh, he also in the second round had a hole in one. So he had two miracle shots that ended up getting him the win uh, over the course of the five rounds. So, um, so there you go. You can uh, research that, check that out. But that's the World Disc Golf uh, Championship. 
Um, you can probably find clips on YouTube. Uh, pretty Already easily. watching it, and it, he the elation on the crowd is <laughs> so. I love moments like this. I it's, love. Yeah, it. it's incredible, right? It's absolutely last incredible. minute, do or die, <laughs> sudden death, and you gotta you gotta get it in one yeah. shot. I yeah. love that. Uh, Andrew, why don't you go next? Okay, uh, so. I don't know if you remember, but a couple months ago, I recommended an anime called Demon Slayer mm-hmm. that uh, they uh, released the first season and then they released a movie. Because I think what they're going to do is release a season, then a movie, then a season, then a movie. Um, and the movie released in Japan a couple months ago, and it's already the highest grossing movie ever in Japan. Wow. Oh, my. The- yeah, it it passed Infinity War, passed Endgame. Yeah, Avatar. no, that's a big list. <laughs> yeah, all the movies in Japan, but this one topped it all with all it had backing. It was one season of an anime. Uh, the it was finally released in the U.S. and I watched it. It's called Demon Slayer Mugen M U G E N Train. Okay. Holy crap, this movie's phenomenal. <laughs> it is so good, and it is one of the things you definitely have to watch the first season to have any idea what is going on. What I find so interesting about this anime and what sets it apart from the others is its unabashed willingness to combine CGI with anime. And I'm not talking like, you know, trying to hide that Mm -hmm. it's CGI. Like, no, it's pretty upfront what parts are CGI and what part is, you know, hand-drawn anime. But it flows so well together it did it so well during the first season um it does it it does it several times in the movie as well and there i think there's maybe one scene where i'm like uh okay you could have toned down the cgi to make it more realistic or uh to make it flow better i guess is a better way to say it Mm -hmm. but this movie is like i was laughing i was jumping up and at the end of this movie i was bawling my eyes out this is an emotional movie I can't recommend not only the movie, but the show as a whole. It is, it's with one season, I can already say it's going to like crack like the greatest anime lists of all time whenever it finally wraps up. Again, so. them's fighting words. That's what that is. <laughs> I know. Trust me. I have a, I have a stacked list of greatest animes ever, but if they keep up with what they're doing, this is easily going to be like in the top. It's so good. And it's one of those where I can, I've, I can say I've seen both the dubbed and the subbed version because oh. Aaron knows that I am a big proponent of dubbed anime because I like to look at the art style instead of reading subtitles. But, uh, yeah. 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 Can't, can't recommend it enough. Uh, John, so. finish us off. What is your buried treasure? This is, this is going to be a hard turn uh, from anime and disc golf, but my buried treasure is a travel show on CNN starring Stanley Tucci. Searching for Italy is a six-part travel log where um, American actor Stanley Tucci, I should say Italian actor Stanley Tucci, goes back to the homeland and samples food and cuisine and meets the people during lockdown. This was recorded last year uh, in six of Italy's, you know, big food regions and uh, photographed uh, immaculately. The, The show looks gorgeous. Stanley is endlessly charming and so much fun to watch, interact and pepper in English and Italian uh, he's like mostly fluent, uh, and there's just something so fun and charming about watching like a famous American actor, like sit down at, on a bench in Rome and mm-hmm. just have like these, uh, like really delicious looking 
pasta or or these mm-hmm. I want to say crepes, but that's French, like these weird sort of pancake ball things he had in one episode with this cream filling. Mm-hmm. And it don't watch this show on an empty stomach. Don't watch it when you're hungry, especially uh, if you like Italian food or you want to see Italian sites. This is the kind of, like, I want to travel now. I want to eat these foods. Um, I don't watch a lot of travel programming. Biscotti or something? Cannolis, maybe? Something like that. It wasn't a cannoli. It was like something that was also like deep fried something. It it looked fantastic. Did it look Um, kind of like a burrito or like an egg roll with like cream in the middle? A little bit, yeah. And it looked great. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) it is a a super fun show. A little bit of history, a little bit of travel, but a big focus on food. And Stanley Tucci just kind of goes around and sniffs things and eats things and tastes things and reacts delightfully. To all of it. Uh, it is really, really fun. It's only like six episodes. so. Uh, but it's on CNN for some reason. Um, nice. I'm not sure why Travel Channel or Food Network didn't pick this up, but uh, so. it's on CNN. I think all six episodes ended a couple months back, and I'm just now getting to them on my TiVo. But uh, my wife and I have loved it. Very nice. nice. John's uh, recommendation is, I believe, a show called Stanley Tucci Sniffs Things uh, is the name <laughs> of the show. On CNN. Uh, We did it, guys. We did a podcast. We managed to make it happen. Congratulations to all for accomplishing your goals today. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today for Sif Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out again today. Thank you, buddy. Uh, big thanks to Phil for producing the audio and video show. Thanks, Phil. And big ups to John Paula for hanging out with us again today. John, uh, where do you want people Woo! to go uh, check you out? I'm always unprepared for this question. I don't have anything <laughs> going on. Um, follow me on Twitter, at John Paula, or follow me on Letterbox at John Paula, or Instagram, which is at the John Paula. Because I was a little too slow for that platform. <laughs> but, uh, there you go. I, I post about politics, movies, and my family, respectively, on those three platforms. So pick your poison, and I'll see you there. Nice. Uh, much love and, and that's grat- John without an H, by the way. J-O-N. That is correct. Uh, much love and gratitude to our Sif Pop members as well for giving monthly to make Sif Pop a real thing. Support starts at 3 bucks a month. You can check out which levels have which perks at patreon.com slash siftpop if you're curious about that. And thanks for checking that out. Lots of ways to connect with us or help us out. You can uh, leave a comment, a rating, or a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Uh, thank you for moving Sift Pop into the top 100 uh, film review podcasts on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate that. Uh, thank you for making that happen. Uh, you can uh, also email us, feedback at sifpop.com uh, if you want to. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like the show too, so make sure you let them know about it and that listening is much easier than using a stick shift while in orbit. Uh, we will be back next week with The Tomorrow War and Steven Soderbergh's new movie, No Sudden Move. Uh, so we will see you then. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 